All right. Um, this is the uh, Tour de Todd Cycling Podcast, part two of my story. I want to be uh, transparent here because uh, this is actually my second try at this second part of my story. Um, I came in, I did it, and it just didn't feel right. It was, I felt that it was incomplete. Um, there's a lot of crap that went on, a lot of good, don't get me wrong, but Again, I want to make this clear for people that, you know, you see a lot of professional cyclists and, uh, the, you know, other people make it in cycling, but there's a whole lot of people that never do, and you never really hear their story. Well, this is mine, and I, I rather I made it or not, it's, it, it's my truth. So now the last, on the first part, we I ended off on... Uh, getting to Arkansas, where I met a guy named Bill who helped me get back to racing bikes. But the thing I think many people will probably wonder is like, well, how the hell did you get to Arkansas? Well, let me back up a little bit so you can understand. So while cycling in while in college was not going great whatsoever, um, what I was doing was I was doing internships. And I ended up doing an internship with CNN because where I went to college, it was like four blocks away. So I went to an HBCU, uh, Morris Brown College and in Atlanta, and I ended up doing an internship and uh, ended up working for this boutique hotel in Atlanta where I was the van driver. So basically think of it like this. We had a three-mile radius. Anywhere you wanted to go within three miles, I would drive you. But the cool thing about this hotel that I quickly found out was that they actually housed the foreign correspondents for CNN at that time. And so I was meeting people from all over the world. And one thing that cycling, like I said, really, really uh, got me interested in was just countries. And so I would learn about their capitals. I would learn about the cities, the politics and things like that. So when you have all these people coming in and you can talk about, you know, uh, their countries, people are looking at you like you're crazy. And I met, I ended up meeting this German reporter, Jutta Hess, and we would talk about Germany and, she one day was like, hey, you really should think about being a reporter. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. I'm lost, so I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just driving a van. And some time went on, like maybe three or four days later, she comes to me, she's like, look, I really think you should be a reporter or at least try it. Try, do an internship. And I got you an internship at CNN. And I was, I was dumbfounded. I was, okay, I don't even know this lady. And I ended up doing the internship, but it kind of fell to wayside after that, you know, things like that going into TV and whatnot, because I ended up doing a lot of theater down in Atlanta. I, I ended up getting into theater. I don't know how I just decided I was going to do it and started working, doing some summer stock and then doing commercials and then doing some extra work on TV shows like a, a old TV show. Maybe some of you will remember this called Savannah. Ha ha ha. I played a reporter in that in, in that one of the episodes and lo and behold, long time passing. What am I doing as a profession? I'm a reporter. So um, what happened is in 96, just before the Olympics, um, of course, the dream was dead. I was still drinking like a fish and... I just decided that I was going with some prompt from some other actors. I was going to move to New York City and I was going to give it a try. I was going to pick up being a bike messenger again. Many people may not know I was a bike messenger in school. Uh, for a very long time, I was a bike messenger and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I was going to do that. I was going to move to New York City. 
and live with my aunt in Jersey, Inglewood, New Jersey, right across the water, and uh, do the acting thing. So just just to see if it happened. You know, I'm, I'm 26 at the time. Hey, man, I thought I had time, you know. And so what I decided to do was go home, uh, go home for three weeks, hang out, and then I was going to go ahead and move to New York City with my aunt Lynn. And I just want to say thank her because she's always been supportive. Even with riding, she was always supportive. So I just want to say thank you to her. Um, and something really bad happened um, that really, really messed me up. Uh, my best friend died, Shay Whiteside. Three weeks into being home, he died of leukemia. And that took me on a really, really bad spiral. Uh he was my best friend from childhood. Like we, we were just inseparable. Everybody knew if you saw Shay, typically you saw Todd. If you saw Todd, you typically saw Shay. That's the way it was. And he was a good dude. Of course, everybody has their, their issues, but overall Shay was just a really good guy. And he was a good friend. Rest in peace, Shay. Uh, prayers to the Whiteside family, Tony Carter, Chris Bears, Jesse, um, these are the guys that we all grew up together. Um, and pretty much we're, we still speak to this day. Um, so I ended up going home and I was just, I was just drinking like crazy. I was, I was riding every once in a while. I brought a bike home and I was riding every once in a while, but there was no racing involved whatsoever. And, um, in there, I ended up meeting a, a young lady that I had a child with, which is a whole nother other story. Um, but, my mother came to me one day and was like, hey, dude, you need to do something with yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, and some time went by, and I just started trying to get interns. I was doing some theater in Minneapolis, actually, and doing some modeling and trying to do commercials and whatnot and some industrial work, uh, industrial film work, and ended up calling for about three weeks to WCCO-TV in Minneapolis. It's a great TV station, and I ended up, Getting an internship, thank you, Amelia Santanello, because she is the one that got me through the door. Really weird, crazy situation of how it happened, but she's a blessing. I don't care what anybody says. Amelia, thank you very much. And then from there, excuse me, Mim Davies, Dave Huddleston, Bill Hudson, who just retired from WCCO, they were the people that really pushed me to be a good reporter to, to, I worked as a, Mim gave me my first job as a scanner person in the room and listening to, you know, scanner stuff to catch spot news. And it kept going up and I started putting tapes together. Eventually I got my first on-air job in Alexandria, Minnesota. From there went to Columbia, South Carolina, and then ended up in Cleveland where I met my wife for two years and then went to Arkansas. But throughout that entire time, it was a lot of drinking. Uh, I just couldn't beat it. Uh, but it was never something that I did, like I said, on a, on a weekday, it was always weekends and it really got bad in the drinking in when I got into TV, because here's the thing that's, it's like a double-edged sword. You, you, you're a reporter, people begin to recognize you. And if you go out and you just go to have something to eat or have a, a, a beer, somebody come up, offer you another one. If you turn them down, you're a prick. If you take the beer, oh, you're cool. I didn't want to be the prick, so I started, you know, okay, thank you, great, I'll take it. Somebody else, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then it just, another thing leads to another, and it's just a bad down spiral. But 
ended up moving to Arkansas, and three things happened there um, that really changed my life. Okay, um, one, I met Bill working at a bike shop. I worked for Orbea, um, a part time. They, the Kirkland brothers, they're the ones that bring in uh, Orbea and distribute it throughout. However, um, and I ended up working at a bike shop and I met Bill and he used to race BMX. And so this is how he got me back into racing a bike. And we had talked about BMX and whatnot. And he was like, dude, you should get back on the track. And there's a couple of tracks in Arkansas and they're really well run, uh, really nice tracks. And I ended up racing again and it really sparked the racing bug for me again. Um, Another thing that happened in Arkansas, which is a good thing, I, and I'm I'm blessed to this day to say, is I, I married my wife, uh, Melissa. One of the best things ever that happened to me. Um, just the nicest person, supportive person, uh, and really funny and cool. So I, I, I'm thankful to her. Um, and then the other thing that happened was actually uh, really tragic, and it's it, it's also. It happens to everybody, but it's just a, a situation where my mother passed. Okay, but she didn't pass. She passed in a bad way. I'll just put it that way. And it was really hard for me at that time when I, I got the call from my sister, well, you need to come home. Mom is not doing well. And I'm in the middle of sweeps, and I've got this piece I, I did on homelessness. Being I spent it 24 hours out, I know, 24 hours out on the streets. And I, I just wanted to finish it. And then go home. Well, in that time, finishing it up, my mother passed. And it was really tough for me. I don't know who, how other people have a relationship with their parent. But see, I've never had a father. My father, I didn't meet my father till about four years, maybe, maybe five years ago. I, didn't, I got to meet him. Okay, so really weird situation. So I never had a father around. And the only parent I ever had was my mother. And it was just really weird because when I found out she had passed, a lot of stuff started coming back into my head. And there's two things that I, that came back to my head that I couldn't get rid of. And one is I couldn't remember the last time that my mother ever told me she loved me. I literally could not remember as an adult, even as a kid. Um, And another was I couldn't remember the last time that, my mother hugged me, but I can remember the last time I tried to hug her, she told me to get away from her. So it was really a weird situation for me. Um, of course, I love my mother, but it was just a, it was a strange relationship that it was, a, it was more like a, it wasn't, I don't say it was hate. It was just a love, don't be around me too much situation. And so I didn't necessarily know how how to deal with that. So of course I turned to the typical thing I did was drinking. And we ended up leaving Arkansas after two years, or three years actually. And I got a job in Orlando and for some odd reason, my mom, my wife was on me about, you know, Hey man, get on the road. Great. Race your bike, your BMX if you want, but you really love riding the road. So I ended up getting back on the road riding and started racing a lot actually. Uh, in Orlando masters races and really enjoyed it. And that's where I met my coach, Carlos Soler, 
who is, like I said, he's, he's more of a friend than he is my coach. He's just somebody that I can always turn to and say, hey, you know, I got an issue. What do you think of this? And he'll just give it to me blunt, and I really appreciate that. That's a friend to me. Um, and I also at the time met a guy who's a, one of my closest friends, James Cole. He is another person like, you know what, dude, if the drinking ain't working, don't, you need to let it go. You know, or, you know, we just talk. And yesterday I talked to him for a good hour and a half, which is good friends. We stay in contact. He's still in Orlando. I'm in South Florida. So every once in a while I just drive up or, you know, to go see him and just hang out for a minute. But I started racing. I was racing BMX and 10 speeds in Orlando. But the drinking was just, it was just, it was affecting everything. My house with my family, the riding. Um, I think in a way it, it affected my work, my job, I, but it just, it just wasn't working. So what happened is uh, 10 years ago, literally, it was a day after, uh, uh, day after, what do you call that? Uh, Valentine's Day. It was a day after Valentine's Day. I woke up, hadn't been drinking or anything like that. And I just decided I didn't want to drink anymore. Literally, I, I didn't like the smell of it. I didn't like the taste of it. Um, I was done. And so far, thank to God and a positive wife, a supportive wife, and family and friends, I haven't touched a lick of alcohol, liquor, whatever you want to call it, beer, you name it, wine, nothing in 10 years. And I can't explain to you what, what I can say to people about this is, is I always tell people, if you stop drinking or you stop doing, using drugs, it doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. For me, at least, what it means is I have one less problem to have to deal with. And so for me, it allows me to wake up every morning and say, I'm not going to do this. And I'm cool with that. And I lost a lot of friends. A lot of people didn't want to hang out with me because I would hang out to drink. And I, real, I had to real. it hurt. It hurt a lot. But what it made me realize is that you're not necessarily my friend then. So I just let it go. So when it comes to riding, I would, we ended up moving back home to Minnesota. Uh, family stuff was going on uh, with my son in Minnesota. So we had to go home, you know, dad first before anything. And my wife was cool with that. She likes the Twin Cities. She thinks it's a great place. So do I. It's just too damn cold. And so ended up moving, stayed seven and a half years. And I ended up, I didn't like, really like the scene in Minneapolis when it came to 10 speeds. It just, it, I don't know, it just didn't fit me anymore. But I always rode. But I was doing mostly racing BMX and did quite well uh, on a team where we won a national bike shop championship uh, and then ended up uh, becoming state champion in, in, in Cruiser in 20 before I left. Uh, and that was really hard, but I really enjoyed it. And I honestly can say how I look at my situation with my mother is there was nothing I could do to change my mother. She was an adult when I met her. She was never going to change. She was going to be who she is. And so it was best for me to accept that and do the best I can keeping it cordial because she was a very strong-willed and strong-minded person. Uh, I think a bit too controlling at times. But 
you know, hey, that's her. That's not me. So throughout all of that, I never really wanted to be, I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to be a parent because I just didn't think I would be a good parent. Um, I just didn't think I would be. Uh, I, I, if you have a, if you don't have a dad, how can you compare yourself to someone when you don't have one? And I always thought in my mind that if your dad didn't love you, then how could anyone else? So I didn't want to get married, but I happened to meet a woman that believed, believed in me. And, you know, I'm not the best dad in the world, but I know I'm not the worst. I'm not the best husband, but I know I'm not the worst. Um, yeah. So now it's just for me when it comes to to riding the bike and, and getting through all that muck and mire about how, how I look at it, it's tough. Um, I've never been one to want to sit down and talk to someone about it, but I guess I'm doing it now. So it's a bit of like therapy. I'm talking to y'all. It's, it's tough. Um, my love for racing is finite. It's I'm that weird dude. Here you go. I'm that weird guy that actually goes through, I'll go to procyclingstats.com and I will go through races and I will look for guys that are, I mean, like I said, I love sprinting. So I'll look for the new upcoming sprinter and I'll look at their stats and I'll, follow them. I'll literally follow them and see how they're doing and how they progress. I'm just that, that weird dude. You know, I'll go top 20, top 30 and look and just check names off. Oh, I know him. I've seen him before. That's just, I love cycling and I love racing more than anything. Um, from part one, I, I got a really good response from quite a few people, but there's one person I do want to mention that, that really helped me to be able to come back here and do part two. And that is Eric Saunders. He is uh, a former pro, is a black pro. Um, and I was able to talk to him a little bit about just his experience and my experience. And he hit me up and he told me, he says, hey man, I, I can relate to what, you're de- what you were dealing with. And I appreciate him coming to me and, and talking to me about that because I knew, I knew that I was not alone. Um, it's, 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 you see everybody who, who succeeds, but again, like I say, you, you, you don't, a lot of times you don't hear from the people that just don't make it. And for whatever reason, they just don't. And I, I just wanted to put mine out there. It was just a mixture of a lot of things that just, just happened. So now I'm racing BMX. I'm preparing to race some crits here in Florida training and stuff like that to just get fit and just see where it goes. I'm 51 years old and I love the bike like I did when I was 15. And my wife would tell you, I get up to watch every race I can on the internet. I get up to watch, you know, every BMX race that you could imagine. I like to watch the nationals on the, on, on YouTube and stuff like that. And it's just a wonderful thing. Life, I didn't succeed at what my dream was, but I, I think that I, it, life took me in a different direction where I can be proud. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Um, I'm a halfway decent reporter. And I've got lifelong friends that care about me. 
So I really, I can't say that it was all bad, but I will say that it hurts. And the one thing that I want people to, especially you young folks out there, that if you got any talent, I'll say it till there's no breath in my body. If you got an opportunity to go for your dreams, don't let nobody tell you otherwise because nobody can live your life. And if they try to tell you that, well, you need to go to school, well, school ain't going nowhere. How long have these universities been here? They've been here a long time. You can always go back, but you may never get that chance, that, that little window to go do what you want to do at the peak of your performance. So I say go for it because even if you don't make it, even if you don't make it, the experiences, the life experience that you get, and the one thing that you'll never have to have is regret. And I hear from, with my wife having to deal with hospice at times, uh, she says the one thing she hears a lot of from older folks on their deathbeds is regret. And I don't think that it's fair that you should have to have it because someone else wants to determine your future. So there you go. There you have it. Um, That's my story, man. It's in a nutshell. It ain't pretty, but it's mine. And I own it. And I'm thankful. So today we're not going to have Robbie. Um, I think it's just, it's good to have this and done. And then we can go on and have some fun. Um, but I had a number of people that wanted to hear my story and, uh, this is what it is. So, uh, coming up, we're going to have, uh, some new stuff coming on the uh, podcast. Folks really loved Ivan Dominguez. I think he's awesome. He tells a great story. So we're going to start having story time with uncle. I, and the, <laughs> this is funny to me because if you guys remember in Living Color, there used to be a, a David Allen Greer thing where he'd always say, hey, I got a story. Want to hear it? Here it go. So <laughs> we're going to include that in his intro to him telling a interesting story about being a professional. Um, we've got some interesting people coming up. Sterling Magnell, Jason Makem, uh, Paralympic cyclist, uh, a good friend of mine that I've known for quite a, lot, a while from Arkansas. He'll be coming up. He just agreed to talk to me just about his situation because he didn't start out as a paracyclist. Um, and we could talk about that. We've got a promoter coming up about races and what's it like to promote bike races in the COVID pandemic time. And uh, we're going to eventually get Michael Hernandez on. He's been busy. So I respect that. I mean, you do what you got to do first. So I just want to say to everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, please, if you get a chance, give me that five-star rating, leave a comment, talk to me about who you would like to hear on here. There is somebody that I'm trying to get on that uh, it may surprise you. I don't want to say it just yet because people are reaching out to him. I think you'll find interesting. I do want to say, I'd love to talk to the Williams brothers out in California, Legion, uh, Sharon Smith also. And one of my favorites, Rasan Bahati. I just, I, I want to hear his story. I want to put it out there. I, I really enjoy him as a person and what he's doing now uh, and helping kids with bikes and stuff like that with his foundation. So stick around. We're going to have some good stuff coming through the pipeline. Y'all take care and have a blessed day. 